this is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All right, so I just love that. Is anybody like me, you just love the Lord's Prayer? There's just something about it. I, that, I think that was one of my favorite scenes in The Chosen. And if you haven't seen The Chosen, you need to. It is fantastic. But, um, man, we're going to unpack this for the next five weeks, each of these lines. And when I, I was writing something lately, like I actually just mentioned it a little bit ago, I was reopening a book I had started years ago called Citizens of Heaven. And I want to put up a slide that gives the framework for the book because it goes right with today's sermon. All right, so who is God? All right, we're going to zoom way out. Everybody just zoom way, just lean back. I know you can't walk back, but just, just lean your head back a little bit. We're going to zoom way out. Put up that next slide, crew. Who is God? Who is man? And who is Satan? Right? It's not there. Oh, interesting. Sorry. thought I made one for that. G- who is God? God is an artist, all right? In fact, maybe, there it is. You got it. You rock. Thank you. All right, God is an artist. He's creator, right? The Holy Spirit, we'll talk about that. He's king. He's Jesus. Come on. How many love King Jesus? And he is father. So who is Satan? We're going to talk about that a lot today. Who is Satan? He's a poser. <laughs> and I was rewriting my sermon. I mean, early, early yesterday morning, I woke up at 6. I think every pastor does this, and I'm rewriting my sermon, and I had all these fancy words, and I'm like, really? He's just a poser, you know? And he's a punk. Who thinks Satan is just a poser? He just he wants to be worshipped. We'll talk about that. All right. Who is man? We're the image of God. We're the art of God. Jeremy, do you know you're the art of God? Ray, you are the art of God. God handcrafted you. You know, Nicole, you're the art of God. You're a governor, you're a steward, right, of the kingdom, and you're a child. Oh, come on. You're a child. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a child. All right, so that's important, really, really important that we understand who is God, who is Satan, who is man? Now, really take that in because I took like 24 hours to think that through and really want you to lock it in. Everybody got it? You locked it in? All right, it's in the brain. Here we go. Now, who was Satan then? Satan was Lucifer, an angel of light. Satan was known as an angel of light. Lucifer was his name. The Bible indicates that he was made of worship instruments, that, that music came out of him and that he led the music in heaven as far as we can understand. Now, as we're jumping into scripture today, or in this sermon, 
I want to just say off the bat, a little disclaimer. Some of the things I'm going to say you'll see are definitely inferred because the Bible doesn't give us a table of contents and a list of definition in terms. Okay, so most theologians, pastors, what we do is we study. We study the root meaning. In fact, we're going to talk about the root meaning of the word demon. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. But know that some of it, there might be something I say today that you disagree with, and that is okay. Right? So just put your stone away. Turn to your neighbor. Say, it's okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. Like, like if you disagree with one of the little points I'm making that I'm inferring from Scripture... It is okay because it's very likely we still agree on all the big rocks of the gospel of who is Jesus, who is Satan, who is man. Amen? All right. So what do I mean he fell from heaven? Well, there's a few passages. I'm going to give you just a couple of them. Isaiah 14. The prophet says this. He's speaking of Satan. He says, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, oh, please don't miss this. I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly. On the mount of the assembly. He wants people beneath him. In the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights. I will make, a lot of eyes in there, isn't there? I. I will make myself like the most high. Everybody say, oh no, he didn't. Oh no, it was bad. Bad idea, dude. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the one who made the earth tremble and shook the kingdoms? Who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities? Who did not let his prisoners go home? Did you know at the end of the age, when you actually see Satan for who he is, you'll be like, this little punk? That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say punk, but that's the PJV. That's the Pastor Jordan version. Come on. Is it okay if I give you all a little PJV today? Okay. I mean, I have the microphones. I'm going to anyway. Is this the one? And, and he says, I want to be worshipped. As I was rereading my sermon earlier this morning, I thought it was so interesting the, the comparison, the paradox here, because Jesus is seated high above all things, but he stoops low to serve you. Satan is made by the one who's above him and demands to be ascended. And sin usually starts there. So Satan is a poser who wants to be worshipped, so God removed him from heaven. Again, that slide also took me a while. Had way too much content for a while right there, but I summarized it to this, and so let's all get this doctrine in our mind. All right, let's all read it out loud. Satan is a poser who wants to be worshipped, so God removed him from heaven. Okay, does everybody understand who Satan is? All right, so Satan wanted to be worshipped. Even though God designed worship to flow through him, he wanted worship to flow to him. Satan wants to be worshipped. He wants allegiance. So for those of you that are listening today and listening online, the number of people who listen online every week, I want you to understand Satan is real. Good and evil is real. Heaven and hell 
is real. Everybody in the room would say amen? The reality is that in the Lord's Prayer, today's sermon is about our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Only Jesus is worthy of worship and allegiance. It's a great spot for an amen. Only Jesus is worthy. Can I say it again? I'm going to say it again just because I know it makes the devil mad. It's kind of like just, you know. Only Jesus is worthy. Come on, let's all say that. Let's all say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Only Jesus is worthy. Oh, I feel like the devil's just getting mad. He's so annoyed right now. Can we say it just one more time? One more time. Only Jesus is worthy. Oh, man, he's getting riled up. Okay, here we go. Just kidding, I don't know. But here we go. Only the Lord deserves worship. Um, there's a bunch of scriptures for you. If you want to read them later, especially in a life group, if, you're go, if your life group goes through the sermon, Psalm 148, Romans 1 and Revelation 7, these are passages that, and there's a myriad of them, that speak to only Jesus is worthy, but Satan wanted uh, to be worshipped and still wants to be worshipped. But he's a created being. You have to understand that. In fact, idolatry is any time you put a created thing above the creator. Let me say it again. Idolatry is any time you put a created thing above the creator. While some refuse to worship God, I want to say this. The Lord is still your creator. <laughs> it's funny. I know. I kind of chuckled when I wrote it down too. Some people refuse to worship God, but scripturally the Bible says one day, what? Every knee will and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So worship now or worship later. You might as well worship now. Come on. Worship is eternal. That's why there's this eternality to it. Is that a word? It is now. When we worship, there, there, it's like you're stepping into something that has always been and will always be. In my traveling days, I had a few events that I remember where worship, it went on for three or four hours. The presence of God was so thick. And then it's like we all were like, that felt like 20 minutes. And everybody was saying the same thing. It felt like 20 minutes of what is going on. It's 11 o'clock. Has anybody ever been in those services? I love those. Those are awesome. All right, who else is Satan? Because you need to understand your enemy. Satan's an intruder. He intrudes. Satan intrudes into our relationship with our creator, and he does that as a thief, a liar, and a murderer. Jesus said that about him in John 10, and we'll read the whole passage in a little while, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And you need to know that, you need to know who your enemy is, and that your enemy is real, and that there's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your mind. Everybody just put your hand on your temple for a minute. You need to understand there's a battle 
for your mind. If you hear me say the word soul today, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, how you feel, right? And so there's a battle for that. Satan wants your attention. He wants you defeated in your mind so that you're defeated in your life. He wants to steal what God has given you. And I'll give you one more passage about this epic battle. Turn to Revelation 12, verse 7. As you turn in there, I want you to understand. I just want to give you one more passage so you understand what we're up against and also that you understand the war has already been won. Hear me. You feel frustration in the battle. Uh, this, is gonna, this is gonna be a little bit like the Matrix for a minute, okay? Everybody just, what? No, just don't do that, okay? You feel frustration because you're trapped in time. God is outside of time, and Jesus already died, and he has eternal victory. And one day in the future, when you're not trapped in time, you will rejoice, and it will all make sense. Come on, amen? Because a new Jerusalem is going to come down on earth and all, all will be made new. So Revelation 12, now a war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels, by the way, there's only three angels that I'm aware of, Michael, Gabriel, and, and Lucifer. And uh, so now a war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. The dragon's the devil. The dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. Everybody say defeated. Everybody say victory. Come on, don't, if you missed the entire sermon, don't miss that. And there was no longer any place in heaven for them. And a great, the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil, Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Now again, in, in Isaiah and, and other passages, it's a third of all the angels. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our Brothers has been thrown down. Oh, I could preach on that line for a week. The accuser of our brothers. He always wants to accuse you and bring you down and get you to not trust that God has forgiven you and paid for your sins. And he keeps a lot of people there. But it says they overcome him. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Everybody just stand up to your feet for a minute. I don't care if you drank decaf today. We're going to shout this. Start with verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood. Did you find it? Where is it at? Is it up there? Uh, go down one more slide. No wonder I felt alone. Here we go. Get the next one up. There you go. Actually, just start with 10. Just start at the top. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Ooh, I can feel the presence of God in here.
I feel like I'm going to jump off this stage. The accuser, punk, devil, who's been lying to you all week is already defeated. And every lie is different and it's unique and it's tailored just for you. Some of you have leadership gifts and the lie to you is don't put yourself out there. You don't want to look prideful. It's the same lie that came to David. But then when David goes out there, they said, hey, who do you think you are? They accused him. And he says, well, who is this punk? Who is this Goliath? Has nobody, is nobody going to step forward to kill him? And he risks his life in humility out of faith because the spirit of God rose up in him. But the lie is to be quiet. Don't use your gifts. Some of you have musical gifts. Some of you have uh, singing gifts. Some of you have hospitality gifts. Your house is awesome. I mean, it, sh it, it should be on some like Cribs show, you know? It's awesome. Is that still a show? That shows my age. I was like 15. When I was... Anyway, you have gifts, but the enemy will say, you know, you're really not good enough. Why? He doesn't want you to use your gifts because if you use your gifts, the Son of Man is lifted up. Come on, I want to read from verse 11 again. And, oh man, I just want to read scripture all day. Here we go. Let's read verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. You may be seated. The next section, but woe to you, O earth and sea. The devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had been given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of the great eagle and so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half and half a time. Now, I know some of you are like, what? What? What, what did you just say? Okay, I understood you talking about, you know, they overcame by the blood of the lamb. I get it. I think the lamb is Jesus. Yes, the lamb is Jesus. Okay, but who's the woman and why can she fly? What is that? Has anybody else read scripture and just like, oh, just me and Jeremy and Danielle. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. I love that you all have the full interpretation of the word Genesis to Revelation. So let me ask that again. At least, at least slip up your hand. Has anybody ever read this stuff and thought, what does that mean? Okay, so I'm not going to go into the whole thing, and I don't know the whole thing, but I'm just going to tell you the last paragraph. I know it sounds confusing, but here's what I think it means. It's a metaphor for the church because a woman is often referred to as the church. This isn't the only time in Scripture this word picture is given. The woman, and again, this is my interpretation of this. It's okay if you disagree stay with me, is birthing the image of God. The woman is the church, is birthing the image of God. Every time a new believer awakens to sonship, come on, Satan doesn't like that. Every time the woman, the church, is birthing a new believer, someone is born again, come on, born again, the image of God is awakening and flourishing around the earth. So the last thing, uh, again, Satan wants to be worshipped. He does not like when new worshipers are worshipping. He wants to be worshipped. The last thing he wants is another person to realize who God is and begin to worship him. 
The cool thing is people are getting saved around the world all the time and there's nothing he can do about it. Amen? So that phrase, a time, times, and half a time, refers to the seven years when Christians are given escape from the tribulation. Again, that's my personal belief regarding the scripture. But we'll talk more about that end times in another sermon. Some people believe mid-tribulation. Some people believe post-tribulation. I agree with with Pastor Chuck Steck. Chuck Missler, that it's unlikely that Jesus would uh, beat up his bride before he takes her home. (laughs) I like how he worded that, and I agree. Michael is an archangel, right? And you've got these three angels, and there's this big war, and Lucifer, Lucifer has this rebellion. But I want you to understand, God won't tolerate rebellion and sin and sickness in his heaven. His heaven is perfect, And get this, you and I are seated at a table there. You have a seat at the table in a perfect heaven. And some of you with arthritis and back pain, you're not going to have it there. Some of you with a heavy weight of guilt on on your shoulders and you can't get, you won't have it there. And you can have freedom now, too. We'll get there in a minute. We'll be talking about that a lot next week. But I want you to understand, heaven is perfect, and he invited you there. And all you have to do is receive the invitation. All you have to do is receive the invitation. As I wrote that, I I like to ask myself why when I'm writing a sermon. Why then? Why didn't he tolerate? Well, here's the thing. He is holy. He didn't tolerate the rebellion in heaven because he alone is God and worthy of worship. There's not going to be two people worshiped in heaven. Come on, there's only one. His name is Jesus. He's the artist, the king, and the father. And when I say artist, he's he's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we need need it said in a new way to get another understanding. He's King Jesus. Seated on David's throne, never to be dethroned. You know Jesus will never be outvoted? Just want to say that. He's the Father who loves you. You need to understand who God is and so that you understand that there is a battle for who you are. There's a battle for you to understand who you are. There's a battle for you to come into alignment to what the Bible says about you. And the battle that you feel in life is often a signal to you of the eternal reality on this side of the screen. The good and evil battle that rages on, the devil is thrown into the lake of fire, by the way, at the end of the millennium, he's thrown into the lake of fire, forever defeated. Come on. How many of you guys have ever just, just be honest with me, ever just wished that that was like now? Just, but again, Jesus knows what he's doing. But there's a time. When God will send, he'll, he'll tap Jesus. Even Jesus doesn't know, by the way, when he returns. But he is submitted to the Father. The Father will say, okay, Jesus, it's time. And Jesus steps out of heaven, returns, have the rapture. My dad just taught on this a couple weeks ago. It's a fantastic sermon. If you, if you missed that, please go online and listen to that. And, and we're taken up to heaven. All right. So until then, until then, We contend for healing and restoration to live in the victory that Jesus paid for. Because you're trapped in time. Welcome. (laughs) Yeah, I'm also trapped. Is anybody else also trapped in time? 
How many of you guys have ever been late to work and you realize you were trapped in time? <laughs> anybody think, has, has anybody, I know, most of us live in rural. Have any of you guys, you know, you go, to, you go to New York or you go to Chicago and you're like, what is wrong with people? Right? It takes you like 30 minutes to drive three miles because of the traffic. You're trapped in, well, what? You're trapped in time. So now you're late. But God is never late. I, I say all that to make a point. God is on time. God knows what he's doing. He's a perfect artist, creator. He is king, and he's on time. I want to tell you a quick story uh, about Jesus being a, a miracle taking place. What is a miracle? A miracle is when heaven's reality invades, invades earth's problem. A miracle is when heaven's reality invades earth's problem. Has anybody in here ever experienced a miracle? Right? A number of you, about two-thirds of you. Well, you better email them to me, by the way, because I'm collecting some stories, miracle stories. I need them. Um, I asked, I, I reached out, and I got this miracle. Dave Rosenberger, one of our family pastors at Rock of Grace, he actually volunteered, he's a volunteer pastor with us and been a vital member of our team for a long time. He was attending this service outdoors, and during worship, a man behind him prophetically knew that he had back pain. And when he told me this, he said, I wasn't touching my back. I wasn't leaning forward. He just prophetically knew. And the guy tapped him. He said, can I pray for your back? I think I'm supposed to pray for your back. And this is a long time ago. And he said, yes, absolutely. And uh, he said, I have pain all the time. And the minute he prayed for him, he was healed. And he hasn't had a, a shred of pain uh, since. Come on. Now, I want you to stand up if you believe that. Because it's important, I knew baby seated. I'm just getting the blood flowing, but <laughs> no, I really, I just wanted you to stand up because it's important that you believe Jesus still heals. Because either you either you believe all of Jesus or you don't, right? You you can't you can't be like, well, I'm kind of, you know, half Jesus. No, you all in or not. And Satan's an intruder. He wants you in pain. He wants you defeated. He also wants you depressed. And he often attacks your mind. Satan will stop you from being the good steward that he wants you to be, that God wants you to be. He will convince you uh, not to trust God. Come on. Are you hearing me today, church? He will convince you, don't even ask for your healing. Has anybody ever heard that lie? I've heard that lie. I, I had three migraines this weekend. I haven't had a migraine like three, three months, two or three months. And this weekend, I got a migraine last night. And again, I was like, oh, my goodness. And, and he, will, he will lie to you because he's a liar. Jesus said it like that. It's his native tongue, right? He's a liar. He's an intruder. And he gets in your head, and if you're honest, you know what I'm talking about. The ABCD, he gets you to accuse God, blame others, compare yourself, and then do nothing. And some of you have, you have leadership gifts ready to build the kingdom of God, but you like the steward in the parables is you've believed God is not good. 
and you compare yourself to others and then do nothing. But Jesus says today to you to rise up in truth and to be who God made you to be. Do you know all, oh man, I just want to preach to you. I'm only on, oh man, I got to hurry up. All of creation, Romans says, is waiting for you to realize who you are. When the waves come into the ocean, it's like, come on, Tim and Tammy, wake up to who you are. Come on, you're in. Do you know when the trees wave their branches, the Bible says, according to Romans, all of creation is eagerly waiting. When there's an earthquake, it's like, come on, wake up, children of God. Amen? John 10 Verse 7, Jesus says to them, Truly I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep, and all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture, find rest. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and life abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Do you see the, the, the comparison there. Satan says, I will ascend and I will be worshipped. Jesus, excuse me, who is seated above all things, says, I'm the good shepherd and I'll come looking for you if you're hurting. Wow. Turn to your neighbor and say, he loves you so much. So there's this kingdom collision. There's Satan, this, this intruder, this poser that the Bible calls the prince of the air. Everybody say this with me, prince of the air. And this will help some of you get this understanding. Because if you've ever just looked at the world and you've heard that Ohio has one of the highest rates of human trafficking. Is anybody like me and you hear these things and you go, what is wrong with people? It's because Satan is the prince of the air. Does this help give some understanding, right? He's the prince of the air. Now, God is over him. Come on, so don't misunderstand me. God's still in, contr in control, right? God's in charge. But Satan, for right now, is allowed to be the prince of the air. And there's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for who you are. And by the way, there's a battle for you to know your identity, this week, I had to fill out a form for one of my children, her athletic form, and at the very top, first question, what is your sex at birth? How do you identify sexually now? I reached out to the guy. Oh, man, you should see my email. <laughs> White-knuckled. Oh, Lord, calm me down. Right? And I let him know why I don't want males competing against my daughter. And I asked him if he had any daughters if he would like a 170-pound male to compete against his 70-pound daughter and lovingly told him the truth because D.L. Moody said, evil persists when good men do nothing. Right. So the liar attacks your identity. And in the last 10 years, we've had an even greater attack on your identity because it doesn't get more real than your sexuality. All right? So we'll talk about that more another day. But look at this, Ephesians 2. And you were dead in the trespasses of your sins. You want to understand this battle. Here we go. In which you once walked following the course of the world. Right? What, what do you mean the world? Is it, who is living in the world right now? Raise your hand. I want to make sure we're all stay engaged today. Following the prince and power of the air, 
the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Let's pause for a minute. How many of you can remember a day when you lived under the, the nature of your sinful nature and you just kind of did whatever you wanted, but the problem is it caused a lot of problems in your life? Okay, that's what that means. But God, I love those two words. Everybody say, but God. Come on, say it nice and loud in Pentecostal. Say, but God. But God, rich in mercy because of the great love. By the way, love is always his motive. Because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved. You might know this part. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift. Everybody say gift. It's not a result of works so that nobody can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen? There's good and there's evil. There's the devil who wants to come against the creator because the devil wants to be worshipped. And how does he get revenge at God? I used to tell teenagers this all the time. It's funny. It's things I was preaching as a 25-year-old. I'm still preaching as a 30, well, I'll be 39 in a couple days. In my, old, in my aging years, middle, middle age. I'm still middle age. I'm going to get a Harley and a big old V-neck necklace next week. Middle age. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Some of you are like, oh, he just described me. I have a middle-age crisis. Okay. <laughs> what was I saying? That was so ADD. What was I saying? Oh, I used to tell, used to tell thank you. I used to tell teenagers that Satan gets back at God by trying to confuse you. It's very simple because you are the treasure of God. This is, this is the whole sermon. Here we go. You're the treasure of God. And because you are so treasured by God and Satan is mad at God, he wants to get revenge by attacking you. And you have to know that. All right, demonic spirits, what are they and what do we do about it? We're going to talk about this for a little bit. Acts 5. Here we go. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest of them dared join them. Now the reason there was a fear there is because Ananias and Sapphira had just lied to God by lying to Paul because they said they gave a certain amount of all the money, but they had lied. And so they felt dead, pretty intense. So there was a, a, fear, there was a fear of God among them. But the people held them in high esteem, and no more other believers were added, or I'm sorry, more than ever believers were added to them. Multitudes of both men and women, and so that they carried out the sick to the streets and laid them on coats and mats. Then Peter came by, at least his shadow would fall on them. The people were also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Everybody say, and those afflicted. I look forward to the day, and I've been a part of some services, and I've actually seen it in the marketplace a couple times, where people who are tormented by demonic spirits are set free. I think church has got too boring and too sanitized. 
I think if Jesus had a little Assemblies of God church on a little on Elm Road, I think everybody would. I think I think there'd be some action going on. I have some stories about that. I don't have time to tell you, but I want to tell you: Jesus has the power to set you and anyone free from demonic torture, racing, fearful thoughts, and out of control behavior. Come on, come on, summarize the whole message. Everybody read this out loud with me. Jesus has the power to set you and anyone free from demonic torture, racing, fearful minds, and out-of-control behavior. Do you believe that? Uh, what do we mean demon? Jordan, are you saying a demon can take over a Christian? No, to hear me out. Demon possession is when a demon takes over a body, mind, and has control. All right? All right, so a demon in that sense is this disembodied spirit that influences somebody's body or mind and seemingly has control. You see this when uh, the, the, bo- the dad's boy throws himself into the fire. There's a few stories we're going to get to. We might get to him next week. But demonic oppression is when people are influenced. They're oppressed by a demon but not controlled entirely. By the way, you say, I don't think that's really true in America. Friend, in America, we have just as many demons. It's just they know how to dress up and they have good manners. <laughs> Let me say it one more time. Let me say it one more time. Because sometimes a demon doesn't manifest itself until it's been pushed enough by the truth. And then you realize that sometimes really smart people can be motivated by demonic activity. Don't believe me. Man, I wish I had time, but we're going to, oh, I got, you guys got time? You guys just got time? Listen, just, okay. All right, here we go. I'm going to try to say this fast, but. In my experience, I've only seen a few people that were demon-possessed that were out of control and then set free. They were set free each time. It's powerful. But it's just the name of Jesus. There's no, there's no uh, formula to it. But it's just the name of Jesus because only Jesus can set people free. But we can't know exactly, again, what a, a demon is. Um, there's kind of two theories. So let me give you that real quick. They're fallen angels when casted out of heaven. That's my view. Another view is that they're disembodied spirits from a pre-Adam time. Some theologians believe that, and I don't believe that personally. But again, don't stone me. If you disagree on one of those things, it's okay. So the Bible doesn't give us, again, a table of contents and definition of terms. But you might say, well, isn't Satan in hell? But again, he's the prince of the air. He's the prince of the air. And so I personally believe that that's the third of the angels and uh, that, again, they, they need to express themselves in a physical being. How many remember when Jesus drove out the demons and there was a legion and they went into, oh, man, y'all reading your Bibles. High five your neighbor. It's a good job. Some of you, I just like the pig story. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> Looking for some action in the Bible. All right, all right. Pigs go off the cliff. They all die. You're like, Man, it's bacon. We got everybody bacon next, you know, next morning. So many guys just got a witness. How many love some bacon? That story just turned amazing. That was an amazing breakfast feast. That no deep yeah, no demons in it. No, no. Just covered in maple syrup. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. 
I want to read you a story. In Matthew 15, 22, actually, I'll just tell you the story real quick um, to save time. A Canaanite woman cries out to Jesus, have mercy on me, son of David. Her daughter is tormented by a demon. Understand this. This jumped off the page to me. I love studying the word because there's always new things that jump off the page. Has, it, has anybody noticed that? I mean, I've been reading the Bible forever since I was a young teen, and I'm still, so look at this, a Canaanite woman. You guys know what the land of Canaan was? It was the land of promise. You can be physically and financially blessed, but be tormented in your mind. She was living in the land of promise. The very land that Joshua and Caleb encouraged the people of God to go in and possess. The land of promise, a Canaanite woman. You can be you can have family bless you from their financial situation and you can have a beautiful place uh, and be totally tormented in your mind. Jesus can set you free. She begged God, she begged Jesus, and Jesus set her free. In fact, he loved her faith. He loved her persistence. Let me say this again. You can be physically and financially blessed, but suffer in your mind, in your will, in your emotions, because the dragon is real, and he wants to steal the joy and the peace that Jesus promises you. Amen? Look at Matthew 17. When they came to the crowd... 17 verse 14, a man came up to him, kneeling before him, said, Lord, have mercy for my son. He has seizures. He throws himself, or he suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. Oh, man. I wonder, come on, can I preach for a minute? I wonder how many Christians have been Christians for 10 years, and if a demonic spirit approached them, they would be unable to help. I wonder, I wonder how many churches, and I don't know about you, but I want to be a church that is so full of faith in Jesus that any issue that comes through those doors is set free. Come on, stand up to your feet while I read this. I want to invite Will to come up. I want you to understand how Jesus responds. I brought him to your disciples and they could not help him. And Jesus answered, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me instantly. See, for Jesus, it was so simple. God the Father has all authority. God the Father has all authority. It's so simple. We need to come back to that simplicity. Jesus rebuked the demon. By the way, you don't ask a demon to leave. You tell it to leave. And it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Now, I want you to understand, if you're the father, how many of you have children in here? How many of you have children? How many of you have grandchildren? Right? If you're a parent, and your child is tormented to the point where he's getting hurt and falling into fire and getting hurt all the time because of this, would you be ecstatic that your child was set free? All right. Now, because you, you need to contextualize the story to realize this is a real person with a real, a child who he wants to see set free. The disciples came to Jesus privately. They came up to Jesus and whispered to him, why could we not cast it out? He said, because of your little faith. 
I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard, uh, a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. So how does Jesus respond to those who are demon-possessed or oppressed? He was compassionate and unafraid, and we can be too. Oh, do you hear me this morning? He was compassionate and unafraid. Do you know, demons can see the Jesus in you. I want to say that. I had someone tell us sitting on the patio last week or about two weeks ago that she and her husband were walking through Walmart and they spotted someone and they locked eyes and the eyes are the window to the soul. And often you can see when someone is tormented or, or filled, however you want to say it, with, with the demonic spirit. And they, I mean, they absolutely avoided them and they could feel it. And I've had that happen to me on the road before too. I've had that happen where you see it and you know God can set them free. But I want to tell you something. If you're here today and you say, I have been in church a long time. If you have a tormenting spirit, if you have something that's tormenting your mind, maybe you feel like you can't breathe at night, that is not from God. You have fear, you have racing thoughts, you have illogical things going on in your life that causes you to lose all of your joy, even though you have logical reasons for joy, right? You, you have a degree on the wall, you, you have money in the bank, or maybe your parents have provided good for you, whatever it is, or you've provided, you've, you've reached your career goals, but still, still you're tormented in your mind. God's going to set you free today. I'm telling you, God's going to set you free. But I want to ask you, do you want to be set free? Because what I have noticed, what I have learned in my experience is people who admit their need get healed. People who admit their need for God get restored by God. So I want to invite the prayer team up while they sing, open the eyes of my heart. And we're all going to sing this together. We're all going to sing this together. And I want to give, again, one more just little quick teaching point. That you may say, well, what if, what if something happens to me? If, what, if, what if people see that I've had this? Listen, we're celebrating with you that you're getting set free. We're ecstatic. How many would raise your hand and say, yes, I agree. I will be rejoicing if someone's set free because that's my brother. That's my sister. We're going to sing, open the eyes of my heart. And what I want us to do, the reason I ask Will to do this, I want, I want us to say, God, open the eyes of my heart so I can discern good and evil. I can discern the voice of God. I can discern if this lying, tormenting voice, this accusing voice, this voice that tells me to compare myself to others and all of that garbage I can see now, okay, that's, that's, the, that's demonic voice. Let's sing this together. Let's sing it, Will. See him high and lifted up. Just to lift see up. you high and lifted up. Jesus, you are shining. Shining in the light of your glory. 
pour out your power in love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Now listen, I want to invite you right now, if you say, I can't describe it, but I have a tormenting voice in my mind, or you want to go on behalf of someone, you have a, a brother, a sister, a relative, or a good friend whom you know is being tormented by a demonic spirit and you want to see them set free. Either way, would you go up and find a prayer team partner right now? Come on, I know there's people. I know it. I know God gave me this, this sermon for a reason. If it's you or somebody you know you want to stand in for, it can be a child of yours. I've prayed with parents about that. They can't understand why... XYZ is going on in our life, and the more you talk to him, you realize, you know what? This, this is a demonic spirit that's lying to your child. Yeah, there you go. Come on, get honest. Just say, Lord, I need you. Oh, God, we need you. Oh, we speak the name of Jesus. He is holy. Worship. Holy, Let's just worship holy, him. Holy, Fix your eyes on Jesus, Rock of Grace. Holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. Let's sing to see you high and lift it up. To see you high and lift it up. Jesus, you are shining. Shining in the light of your glory. So God, pour out your power. Pour out your power and love. Pour out your love. As Lord. we sing holy, holy, holy. To so see you high and lift it up. To see you high and lift it up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. As we sing holy. I just want to share one thing. It is not weakness to, to uh, come to the Lord and pray together uh, with the prayer team. It's not weakness, it's strength.
So take courage, take courage, take courage.